to the second season of Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Lofta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri, and with me, as always, for every episode, is the satchel to my spyglass. <laughs> yeah, the KGB to anything. <laughs> it's Bear. And also with us... It, you, you cannot get rid of me. <laughs> it's the Baronessa Jennifer Howland. A spy you can't kill. <laughs> so you're not French. <laughs> so today we will be talking about the graphic novel that was originally called The Coldest City and now is called, as the movie is, Atomic Blonde, which was one of Jen's picks of 2018, one of her favorite new movies. Indeed it was. I greatly enjoyed this high action thriller spy movie and graphic novel just incredible and we'll get into it it is one of my favorites written by anthony johnston illustrated by sam hart it originally came out on oni press which we haven't done any oni stuff oni's kind of a lot like Dark Horse. It has very niche-specific kind of comics. Sure, Not one that I have a lot of their stuff on the shelf, but I enjoy the stuff that I do. I was really underwhelmed by the comic. It was not impressive to me. Yeah, and let's get into it a little bit. Again, for those of you that are just joining us for the first time, we will uh, stay generally away from spoilers, but we will warn you one way or another if there's something maybe that you should know. One of them is that, yeah, I noticed not as much action. Oh. This is definitely kind of the opposite of when we talked about Red. Because Red was all action Absolutely. on the page. Action, all action, all the time. Yeah. And I think I agree with you. This was a little underwhelming. This was great as kind of a cerebral spy novel. This reminded me a lot of the original movie for Ocean's Eleven, mm -hmm. where there was a lot of talking about what was going to happen, there was a lot of theoretical stuff going on, there was a lot of interpersonal stuff going on, and just not a lot of act in the comics. So I believe all three of us saw the movie before we read the graphic novel, which is why it ended up on our show. Right? Because the movie is amazing. Right. And this is not a graphic novel, really, that would have landed on any of our radars, or having heard about it when it was called The Coldest City. Jen, where are you on the movie to graphic novel? I'm with Bear. I was fairly underwhelmed by the graphic novel. I expected a lot more from it, seeing that the movie was based on it, and there were so many sequences and switchbacks in the movie that didn't really happen in the graphic novel. And as you kind of compared it to Red... I expected there to be a lot more in the graphic novel than in the movie as far as action and those kind of twists and turns. I agree with you that it was interesting. 
I just was kind of underwhelmed by the graphic novel. The best way I can say it is that the movie was James Bond mixed with John Wick, kind oh, of yeah. in that really keeping you invested way. The yeah, comic book was, was absolutely female, female James Bond all the way, and yeah. no better person to play it than Charlize Theron. Right. She did a fantastic job. The graphic novel reminded me more of if I was going to read a spy novel. It's a lot more technique, and it's a lot more how you intel gather, and it's a lot more what the relationship the between... The slow stuff that you don't see in the movies. Right, right. The stakeouts and the sitting around and just taking pictures of right. anything that happens to walk by. All the stuff where a guy shows up and hands James Bond a dossier and this is what I've done for the last three years of my life, James. Here you are. And then James Bond goes and blows up everything phenomenally. Right. But this is following the agents and, and how they collect that information. Which was... Interesting, but I wasn't really looking for a technical manual. No, I completely agree. Let's do a little wild guessing. Do you think that it was the movie and all of the action and everything? Had it been closer to this, A, would we own it? <laughs> B, would it end up, ended up on this show? Do you think we would have come to the comic if the movie was closer to it? Or are we kind of projecting the high action, high suspense? It's hard to say. I mean, it's small enough press that... We might not have come across it on its own, even if it had been a little more action-packed. It was the fact the movie was out there, the movie was great, and then you see in the opening, based off of The Coldest City, where I think all of us just kind of went, um, maybe we should look at that. Right. Absolutely. So I guess my question is, had the movie been less action, do you think? Oh, no. And, and more I, close I, I don't, to I don't this? Think it, I don't think it would have made it out of this season. I don't think the movie would have made it if it were closer to the graphic novel. There were scenes in the movie that made it more exciting and more interesting because of the improvisation that the main character had to do mm -hmm. that didn't really happen in the graphic novel. There was a lot more embellishment in the movie that took that story and elevated it. But I love a great action movie. And there is one fight sequence in that movie that I've seen this movie several times, but every time I see it, I still go, oh, oh, God. Is that the, the stairwell scene? <laughs> the stairwell, yeah, the stairwell yeah. fight scene. Yeah. And they do such a great job. There are two people fighting, and they can hardly stand. Mm -hmm. They're both so injured. I think it's fantastic because it's more realistic than people leaping off of balconies and, you know. Oh, yeah, it definitely things. harkens back to when, yeah. we, when we did Daredevil and we were yep. talking yeah. about how just fight say scenes that. and everybody's yep. just exhausted. And they right. literally, by the time they're done, they're just grabbing whatever they can grab to hit the other person with. Right. It's because fight scenes in a lot of movies, pre-Daredevil, pre-John Wick, there's been a real movement from stunt coordinators to make things more realistic in that way. And it used to be, we're fighting in a way that it was more of a dance, and you didn't translate the stakes. Yes, people would die, or I think of The Matrix, when I think of a lot of these things, and I'm like, okay, but it looked like, it didn't look like you wanted to kill that person or you would be killed. It was more flashy and blocking and moving and, and whatever. John Wick, Atomic Blonde, the Daredevil, especially the one-shot hallway scene the hallway in the scene. second episode of the first season. Those are always seem to be some of our favorite ones where we, they have fight scenes in there in cramped quarters and 
everybody's just exhausted by the time like a two minute sequence is up. Right. It does follow what happens to your body. I mean, even with adrenaline, you start to wear out after a few minutes. Fantastic. Other thoughts? You want to talk about the soundtrack a little bit of the movie, Jen? Sure. Being a child of the 80s, the music in this movie is so, it's just used so well. The music used in the movie is fantastic, but the way that it's used is amazing. It kind of gives you insight into what is going on in the movie when there's not dialogue, when there's not action happening kind of gives you a little foreshadowing of what may start to happen some or what's going to happen next. Some yes. emotional yeah. you know, transference there. Yep. And for anybody listening and thinking, well, yeah, but that's a movie thing. It's really hard to put music into your graphic novel. I would encourage you to pick up either series by Kieran Gillen, either Phonogram, which is about people that use styles of music to power magic, or Wicked in the Divine, which unfortunately neither of them currently have media versions of them, but they both can illustrate how a graphic novel can use music to just invoke music. And even thinking back to some of the other things that we've done, like Umbrella Academy, Mm -hmm. other graphic novels that invoke, you see the lyrics on the page, it'll play in your mind. Absolutely. And all it takes is a, a couple of eighth notes that are framing some italicized text, and boom, it's in my head. Right. How would you be able to do an 80s-based movie or graphic novel without that touch? Well, any other thoughts? I really enjoyed the cast in this movie. I mean, yes, Charlize Theron was amazing in the leading role, but the rest of the cast as well. Absolutely. John Goodman, James McAvoy, both amazing actors. The Stasi agent also did an excellent job. I can't remember the actor's name there. The younger guy that was the East German contact. Right. Setting up the passports and trying to get the family out. Right. I know he's not, but he reminded me of, and I always say, go to say Pete Davidson is not. It's the... The actor that played Merkel, the Lorraine's contact, yeah. is Bill Skarsgård. Seriously? Okay. Yes. That was a very young Bill Skarsgård. Wow. Wow. Yep. Okay. Man, the Skarsgårds are everywhere recently. Yes, they are. <laughs> well, not recently. June too. Yep. They have been around and working for a while. So watching this time, this viewing with a more critical eye, just kind of looking at it with the graphically novel lens, James McAvoy... His performance in this movie led me to say, man, he would be a great Spider-Jerusalem from Transmetropolitan. Oh, yeah. Good call. Yeah, he would. That teetering on the brink of insanity, Hunter S. Thompson-esque kind of... At the very end when he's like, I fucking love Berlin. Yes, yes. Very Spider-Jerusalem, which I will... Until they actually make a movie, TV series, or cartoon, I will keep bringing up Transmetropolitan on this podcast because people need to read it. And I'll keep bringing up Dune and just not those stupid voice guns, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) The casting was fantastic, but looking at the comic, especially Lorraine, especially the main character, in the graphic novel, she was not meant to be attractive. Like, she was not drawn as a femme fatale spy sex spy at all. Oh, absolutely not. She's kind of discreet. But there was <laughs> there was also next to no action. 
with right. her character either. Right. Well, but all of the characters were drawn very simply yeah. in the graphic sure. novel. There was no flash. And I think that that's another thing that's more interesting about the movie is that, yes, she's drawn very fashionably and in a very provocative manner, but she's also dressed very much in the style of the time. The late 80s yes. is where the movie is set. And yes, they're talking about the same events, so it's obviously set in the same time period. The way that the characters are drawn and the clothing and, and everything in the graphic novel, it could be any time from the 50s to today. Because the clothing, the men are in suits. She is wearing a long coat and a very simple dress or a blouse and a skirt. Mm -hmm. You can't really get a grasp of the time period from the graphic novel. You can in the movie. Yeah, the art in the graphic novel doesn't convey the time period like the movie does. Usually our final question when we talk about these things is, are you interested in the next one? There is another graphic novel in kind of in the series, but it's actually a prequel, and it's called The Coldest Winter. Bear, are you interested in reading that book? Nada. Not for me. I, once again, I'll go with my previous statement. It was an interesting read, but I wasn't looking for a technical manual. I wanted something more fun. I wanted something... I just wanted something more. This didn't do it for me. I'm head over heels in love with the movie. I own a copy myself, but I don't think I would read anymore. Okay. I would be curious. Mainly the thing that I'm curious about and that I would love to see a prequel for is the movie. To see how she got to where she was when the movie started. When the building of Saturn. How did she get there? In the graphic novel, the ending is different. Than the movie. And I'd still be interested in that, but it's not as there's a couple fewer twists to the graphic novel than there were. Yeah, I was really happy with the added twists that they put into the movie just because it made the movie. It made everything so much more interesting. Yeah, and that's what I want in the spy movie. I want want those twists and turns. I want, first off, in the graphic novel, there's the romantic relationship that she pursues. Not really romantic, is a French male. Right. And in the movie, it's a woman. And I think made an entirely different tone for the story. Well, I agree. But it also experience of the French agent in the movie versus the graphic novel is vastly different as well because you get the impression that the French agent in the graphic novel is much more seasoned than the movie. Yeah, who openly admits to it only being her first assignment. That character was probably the least believable for me in the movie. I understand you're going to have this hot lesbian relationship so you can have some sex scenes, but I can't believe even any country, France or otherwise, would send someone that's immediately going to be like, I'm so inexperienced and I'm scared. No, no, no. Not in Berlin in 89. The other thing that I found not very credible or believable was the scene where she gets killed. Yeah. Because if you are a spy in Berlin in 1989... Why are you listening to a Walkman and not being aware of your situation, especially if you're scared and you're packing to leave? Why do your hand-to-hand skills suck (laughs) so bad? And in that case, when it comes to it, she shivved him several times, but 
where he couldn't pull it out. And that is a point in the graphic novel saver. There was no character that I'm like, you should not be there. It is a spy game and it is a lot of intrigue, whatever. And yes, it is quote unquote boring parts of the spy life. Honestly, though, in the movie, the French girl, I'm not entirely sure that she was being honest when she said that she had only been in this a year and she was so scared because she was tailing some of these people completely undetected. Percival himself says, at early point on in the movie, says, if I really wanted to follow you, you'd never know. She followed him. He never knew. She had photos. She had all kinds of stuff of all different people. So I'm not entirely sure that she was being truthful when she said that she'd only been in this a year. And that's possible, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've gone as far as we can with Atomic Blonde, but... I knew this was going to be kind of a shorter episode. The movie really should have gotten more acclaim than it did. Agreed. If you are a fan of action movies and you have not seen Atomic Blonde and or John Wick, put those on your list. There is a renaissance happening right now when it comes to action movies. They're coming back big and bad, and those are two of the larger ones that I can recommend. Seriously, especially if you're any kind of fan of Charlie's Theron, John Goodman, James McAvoy, they all have amazing parts in this movie. As we are in season two, not necessarily with what we're reviewing, but more into the realm of graphic novels in general. What graphic novel do you adore that does not have media representation for us to talk about on this show? Oh, you know what my answer is. Sandman. All day long. <laughs> Which was optioned I, by Netflix. I knew so, what your answer was. Right. <laughs> Which has been optioned and paid for by Netflix. Right. Who and, is doing Lucifer. And. And. I'm so excited about this. In the most recent script for Lucifer, as we have talked about Lucifer, go back to our Lucifer episode if you are a fan of that show. But in the newest script in season five, which is going to be the final season, there has been a leak that 20 seconds, if you want to avoid this spoiler, one of the characters in season five is described as having stars for eyes, which is Dream from The Endless. Oh. So it is possible that they are going to backdoor the Sandman series on Netflix through Lucifer. Interesting. Which is super exciting. And we started already our conversations speculating who might be cast to play in certain roles we can get into <laughs> at another time. Jen did school me, by the way. Aubrey Plaza would be a better delirium than she would death. Right. Josh brought up Aubrey Plaza as death, and I said she's too old and she'd be much better cast as delirium. I think that... You haven't read Sandman. I haven't read okay. Sandman, so I'm just going to sit here and smile and okay. nod. And I don't know if Mike can pick that up, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it cannot pick that up. <laughs> FYI. It's an audio thing. All right, Bear, I think I have a good guess. Gee, I mean, you just kind of handed me this earlier today, and I'm... He is holding I, up the Immortal Hulk, which is it was recommended as one of the best series that came out in 2019. I read through it, and it's amazing. I haven't read through it yet. I've just flipped through yeah. it, and it looks amazing. I haven't even... Yeah. I haven't read any of it. It's Hulk is a horror comic. It's pretty good. What would be the movie that you would want to see? And we've kind of seen it. We have seen the movie, which is the best Hulk movie out there, which was unfortunately titled Thor Ragnarok. But <laughs> <laughs> mistakes get made in Hollywood all the time. Give me anything Hulk. Give me something. Give me some better representation than what we've had so far, because Eric Bana, bless his heart, 
did what he could with the scripts. Edward Norton did a pretty fair job. Fortunately, was kind of a prick about it. Yeah, pretty much. Mark Ruffalo did an amazing job. And please, can we, for the love of God, just put Mark Ruffalo back on the set and give me some good Hulk stuff. You have not read World War Hulk, have you? No, I read it Planet is, Hulk. Right, and, and it is what not, happens after Planet yes, Hulk. Yes, and had not get, yet gotten to World War Hulk. Yet. Okay, I would be interested after you read that to come back to you and say, is this what you would want to see? Because, wow. How do you not bring all those guys back and watch the Hulk kick the crap out of all of them? Right. Well, especially now that you have the Fox deal and you've got the Fantastic Four and you've got X-Men back. I would also like to see something brought in where there's an animated Hulk and the Agents of Smash, I think it was. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see something along those lines where we bring in Red Hulk and She-Hulk and a few of the other variants. Just not that. I did not dig Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Well, She-Hulk is going to be a show on Disney+. Plus. I was not aware of that. Yep. On Disney. Yes. And they're not modifying her character any? I don't know. Because... We don't have details. Okay. Checking. Because the way I am to understand it, I haven't read a lot of her comics, but um, Girl Likes Sex. Yeah, there's a lot of sex potness to mm-hmm. Jennifer Walters. Walters? I think it's Walters. The cries of the three listeners we have. We'll be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why don't you know this? (laughs) Sorry, I'm a regular Hulk fan. I'm not a She-Hulk fan. I just think it's it's cool that she exists. Yeah, she is pretty awesome. Mine is no surprise either. I brought it up already this episode. Transmetropolitan. Give me Warren Ellis. Give me it as a cartoon. Give it to me as a live action. I don't care. Oh, I totally want that as live action. I want Transmet as live action, not a cartoon. I mean, it would be fine, and I would be happy to see it. If that's how I get it. it. Yeah, fine, and I'd be happy to see it as a cartoon, but I want it to be live action. You you get your fix however you can get it. (laughs) Eventually, if we ever do the novelty graphic, we'll have to do the Spawn cartoon and the Spawn movie with John Leguizamo, which Jen has already tapped out of doing novelty graphic if we ever (laughs) get around to it. (laughs) This is going to be bad. (laughs) So anyway, that is our Atomic Blonde episode of Graphically Novel. Thank you, Vandello, for our amazing song. It gets stuck in your head real easy. You hear it at first and you're like, uh, maybe there's a little bit too much with the, and then like two days later, you're just sitting there and you're like. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, It's absolutely true. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, or go to graphicallynovel.com. You may be there now because all of our episodes are automatically uploaded to our website. Because we're, like, cool and stuff. Yeah, well, because we have a great RSS feed. Uh, <laughs> But if you have ideas for future episodes this season, other than this episode, we will have guests that are going to come. A lot of our friends are really into graphic novels and really into what shapes them. So coming up, you're going to see a bunch of that. Until next time, I'm Josh. And it's Bear. And I'm Jennifer. And this has been another episode of Graphically Novel. Take it away, Vandello. Pretty pictures on the page.
but nothing ever stays the same. Do 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 Come at me, and I'll show you something you ain't never seen before. Right or wrong, or can't we all just get along? My mask is no different than yours. Pretty pictures on the screen, but nothing's ever as it seems. Don't want to see my back